most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses AJ Jones Monsieur How are you? I'm good, how are you? I, I'm doing fantastic Good I just, I love today It was a good day It was an amazing day It really was uh, Worship with Jesse Orley Fantastic What the heck are you supposed to do? I don't know She's just so good So good I look forward to it every time she's leading. Oh, I just love our worship team at Grace Center. We have so many amazing worship leaders. It almost feels like we should share, but no. No, nobody. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We, no. Keeping him. Josh and Sarah Parsons mm-hmm. are doing a phenomenal job. They really are. Of raising up creative artists. Yes, they are. Um, do you want to comment on dancing? I love it that we have dancers during worship. Actually, I, I had a funny thing happen this morning. Was uh, it me dancing in front of you? No. I just got caught up in the spirit. Mm, no. No. Um, Elena was dancing today and, uh, but I didn't actually realize she was dancing. And so I came in and I had my eyes closed and, you know, it was just like the normal worship team up there. Elena wasn't on the stage yet. And all of a sudden I felt like this whoosh of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how else to explain it. Like just like an intensity. And I opened my eyes and she had just run out onto stage. And I was like, there she is, that can opener in the Holy Spirit. Well, I had a similar experience to that. I, I was emceeing this morning, so I kicked off the service. And, you know, the first couple of verses of worship, I lead over to Jeff and I said, Jeff, it, it feels like everybody's in different places. You know, some people are greeting one another. Some people are in worship. It just doesn't seem like there's much traction. And so I said, do you want me to get up there and say something, you know, as the MC? And he's like, no, no, let's, let's just see, you know, Jesse will usually address it. And I had seen Elena warming up in the back. So I leaned over to Jeff. I said, actually, Elena's dancing. I bet you when she comes out, you know, it'll shift stuff. Meanwhile, I saw Shannon walk past. So I had a dream that I needed Shannon to interpret. So I said, Shannon, can I pop out into the hallway? I just need to give you uh, this download. So we went out into the hallway. About a minute later, I came back in. And worship had totally shifted. You know, what I'd felt before where not everybody was together. It was yeah. full on worship. And up there was Elena dancing. So yay, Elena. Yay, our dance community. Yay, Josh and Sarah. Yay, Grace Center. Yeah, I think the dancing is a huge ad. And again, we're so blessed to have super anointed dancers, which is fantastic. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. That wasn't even in our notes. That was just off the top of our head. Freestyling. Freestyling. <laughs> uh, You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's review our week. <laughs> Sorry. No, don't apologize. I amuse I, me. I love the old hip hop legend. Yeah. There's Mix Master AJ coming back what, from what? her Canadian roots. What? <laughs> yeah all right we taught healing life's hurts this week at school we did which yeah. is actually what we're going to be talking about on this podcast so oh cool we'll leave it there but nevertheless we introduced our students to a whole lot of concepts and tools for inner healing i sometimes i just snorted <laughs> <laughs> i sometimes feel bad for them like the ones that aren't necessarily from our church and this is all new information because you can tell that they're in heavy process mode by tuesday when they're like and now we have to learn about what well it's i feel for them too because i remember the first time i learned all this stuff where i was like wait what what now and on the one hand you're relieved because what you're hearing helps your life make sense but in another sense you're overwhelmed because no sooner have you wrapped your head around one concept and you feel like the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart, you're on to the next topic. And more than once when I was teaching this week, I'd look out at our 
audience and you could just see them like wide eyed, mm-hmm. like what? <laughs> at one point I looked out and they actually had their mouths open. There were several of them in a row just with their mouths open staring at me. Like I just said something like, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Well done, SOSL students for persevering with us. They're doing great. I had my own level of inner healing this week. You did? Well, it was more dental inner healing. Did I mention this Inner last mouth week? The, healing. That my, I'm getting some crowns put in and so I had some temporary crowns. Mm. But they got stuck in a burrito I was eating. So I had to go Is see Is that my, what happened? I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, yes, you were. So, liar. Wait a minute. You had a burrito? Oh, it was so good. You weren't here, remember? You left me to my own devices. N- no, but you're still supposed to make good decisions. I did. But the burrito just started going, burritos, come here. So I went to Chewy's and had a burrito with the kids. And it was delicious, except for the fat. And mm-hmm. my dentist said... This is why burritos pull crowns out because you bite into it and that soft gooey dough encases the whole top you know, of the it crown. It is interesting that <laughs> this is the first time I'm hearing about oh, sure. how it actually came out. Okay. <laughs> you just can tell me on air so I can't like uh, say anything. Is that what the plan was? <laughs> or did you just forget I didn't know? <laughs> You're like, ooh, shouldn't have mentioned the burrito. <laughs> okay. Anyway, okay, you, I know how it is. You bite I into gotcha. it. And it encases the whole crown. And when mm-hmm. you lift up, it sucks out. And that's exactly what happened. So Tuesday afternoon, my amazing dentist fit me in and numbed me up and put it back on. And he cemented it down good and proper. And all the burritos have eaten since then. It stayed put. So that's Not great. funny. Yeah. Not funny. I also had big news, but not uh, anything to do with my teeth, thankfully. <laughs> You've got two lots of big news. I do. I got the, I switched my iPhone 7 for a 7 Plus because of the camera. Didn't we start discussing this last week? I would like some sort of public on-air recognition for the whole, you switching to the iPhone 7 Plus. Uh, What kind of recognition do you want? You got a 7 Plus. I looked at it. No. It was a great camera. So I said, I want one. (laughs) And I went and switched mine in. Oh, how we've rewritten it. (laughs) When the iPhone 7 was launched, yes, and I showed you the highlights of the announcement, yes, I said to you, babe, you're probably going to want the camera, but you didn't want to have to wait, and you thought that my phone was too big and too it, ugly. It wasn't that I didn't want to have to wait. It was because we didn't know we were going to have to wait. It was just that I was worried that it was too big a phone, and you said it probably is too big a phone. But I said, you're going to want that camera. I'm telling you right now, you're going to want that camera. Yeah. And you wouldn't listen to me, would you? But... With just, as much emphasis, say. you also said it was too big a phone. So it was a confusing message. <laughs> All I want to hear you say is, babe, I'm sorry. Babe, I didn't listen to I'm you. I'm so sorry. I didn't listen to you. Now that I have that on tape. <laughs> you're just going to like replay it or just add it into our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to use it as my ringtone. Yeah, babe, I'm so sorry. I didn't listen to you. <laughs> Yeah. While I've got you in that mode, could you yeah. repeat after me a few other choice phrases? No. <laughs> hey, hot stuff. <laughs> no. Why don't we slip into something more comfortable? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All I'm right. not giving you any more ammunition. Tra- anyway, you, you, I just loved your insistence that the Holy Spirit was going to work it out. For those of you who keep track of these things, it's very, very difficult to get iPhone 7 Pluses, especially on T-Mobile, because they're the only device that's unlocked. Yes. So people want to buy it even if they're not on T-Mobile. And there was no iPhone seven pluses for days and days and days and you only had a 14 day return period yeah and i returned it on day 14 well on day 14 i said babe i've been checking since like day 11 12 13 there are none yeah and i've just found a black one and what did you say i said well i don't want a black one i want a white one 
You're like, well, babe, you might have to settle for a black one if you want to get it today because this is the last day to exchange it. And what did you say? I said, I think God knows me and he knows that I want a white one and he's a God of the details. So I'm going to just keep waiting. So I rolled my eyes. You did. And you're like, fine, you're probably going to keep your seven. And I went to sleep. <laughs> just <laughs> for rest, a nap. Resting in your sunshine. I was totally fine. <laughs> and then an hour later, I woke you up and said, I found a rose gold one for you, exactly the one you want. Yes. Go drive, drive, woman, drive. And I went and got it. So, and then your drop zone. Talk about your drop zone. I am making a drop zone or a mudroom. You know, some people call them. I, I'd never heard of either of those phrases. Explain the concept like we don't know what a drop zone or a mudroom is. It looks kind of like a wood locker. So there's baskets that go below a bench that you can put like shoes in or whatever. And then there's some, I'm using white beadboard and some trim and stuff. And then there's hooks for their um, knapsacks or backpacks or whatever you want to call it, depending on where you're from and lunch boxes and that sort of thing. And then there's a shelf above where you put more baskets that might have gloves or scarves or that sort of thing. In it's it. basically for our back hallway, isn't it? Yes. And all the kids backpacks from school and yeah. uh, you know, all that sort of stuff, scarves, hats. Yeah. I ripped apart a closet that had sliding two sliding doors on it. And, you know, rip the frame out of it and everything and then build it. The very day it. that we moved in, the first day we moved in, you yes. ripped it out. I was committed to the idea and I thought if I don't rip it out now, then it's possible that thing will get used as something else. And I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> your dedication is amazing. And what else has been happening? You've been using your power tools like nobody's business. I have business. been. So my miter saw is set up on its stand and it's perfect. And I love the laser it's very good. And I used my brad nailer for the first time today. And, and I used wait, my... Wait, 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 wait. What is a brad nailer? Um, a brad nailer is a nail gun. Shoots nails. So cool. So I do not want to mess with you. Nope. And I used my circular saw. I attached the um, saw blade and did all that stuff myself. And what else did I use today that I hadn't used before? Nothing. Because I'd used the drill and the compact driver and all that. So. I love seeing you in your happy place. You're you're so content and you were you were physically jumping up and down all giddy. It's so fun. With excitement. I love it. I, I love it too. I just love seeing you happy. What are you going to build next? I want to build a new kitchen table. Even, even though we have a kitchen table? Yeah. I mean, the kitchen table we have is totally 70s. And well, you do not exaggerate because it was bought in the 70s. It was literally bought in the it's 70s. stored in an old barn for about 20 years. And as much... I just don't like it. So I want to just make a farm table, which isn't hard to do. So let's do it. Spoken spoke like a pro. Thank you. Um, our friends Andy and Lorna arrived from Scotland they last night. They did. I'm having fun introducing them to all my American friends who think that I have a Scottish accent because Andy and Lorna have got a whole new level of Scottish accent. They really do. And I've been getting a tune-up on all the Scottish words I forgot existed. Right. Like hen and bairn and mourn. Bairn. And what else do they say? Just, I need to, I need to write them down. I will make a list of the things they say and open next week's podcast with them. We have some listeners feedback. Cool. You know how last week we were talking, uh, we, we did some question and answers and Neil had written in and he was talking about what's the balance between thankfulness and expecting more. And we were like, ah, oh, here's our best thinking so far. Right. And we just said, if anybody else has got some ideas, well, Rachel wrote in and said this, it's, Brilliant. I haven't edited it. I'm just reading it straight from our email. It says, It seems to me that sometimes when we are unfamiliar with God's goodness, before we settle in our hearts that he is more than enough, we must first address the truth that he is enough. 
We must journey through the valleys and find for ourselves that in our current circumstances, even the bad ones, if we look closely, his enough is everywhere. And so we can live in a constant state of gratitude for who he is and what he's given. Without that foundation, I think it's very difficult to grasp his extravagance. With that foundation, it becomes clear that we can both revel in today's enough and look expectantly for tomorrow's more than enough, all the tomorrows building on each other. Yeah, that's great. It's a great answer. Really good. Thanks, Rachel. So Neil, Rachel had a better answer than we did, and that's the joy of the internet. <laughs> Our topic for this week is inner healing. Yay. I remember that we were at a conference, do you remember this? And we'd finished speaking, and somebody came up to us and they said, Are are you pastors? Yes. I remember this. And I know I, what you're gonna and say. We were like, Yes, yes we are. And they're like, No, no, are you full time pastors? Yep. I mean like you pastor people at a church. Yeah. And they, the next question was, why are you so happy? And I thought that was a really, really telling question. And we later, as we got to know this person, realized she'd been around uh, a lot of ministries. And, and I think our level of joy was not the norm that she'd seen in people who do what we do. And so she asked us, uh, how do you stay so happy? Like what? And I, I think the answers we gave her, we just said two things. One. Chocolate. <laughs> no, he said one is the revelation of the Father's love. Yeah. And the second is we've learned the ability to say no without any sort of squirming or hesitancy. Yeah. But I would like to add a third. And okay. I would say that the third reason that there is a lot of joy in our hearts is this whole premise of inner healing. And we were teaching on this this week. Mm-hmm. So inner healing is basically... Well, let me read you a couple of verses. Proverbs four twenty three says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Right. So Solomon, the wisest person in the whole world, is saying like the most important thing, everything that's going to flow out of and everything that's going to direct the course of your life is your heart, mm-hmm. your emotional well-being. Yeah. And I see so many people who are surviving life rather than allowing Jesus to help heal um, any areas of their heart that have been damaged through life. Right, or even thriving. What do you mean? Well, you know, you're saying, I see so many people that are just just surviving as opposed to God healing your heart. You can even get stuck at just being like, okay, I'm healed now, I'm not surviving, I'm just, you know, plodding along. Or I think that God actually wants us to be thriving you know, we're actually taking ground and full of joy and excited about life. Um, and what do you think keeps us from thriving? I think unforgiveness. Uh, when I've had seasons where I've been um, bogged down with unforgiveness or bitterness or just not wanting to deal with the stuff in my heart that God wants to deal with and actually kind of wanting to blame everybody else instead of dealing with it myself, I would say I definitely was not thriving in those seasons mm-hmm. or even moving forward because you just you just kind of sit there in your funk uh, until you're actually willing to deal and, you know, work through your stuff with God. Right. I think the issue is, I remember listening to John Arnott talk about inner healing and he said, when Carol began to introduce the concept of needing her hearts healed, he didn't think he needed it. He was just like, well, I'm not a basket case. I get up in the morning. I have a job. I can put pants on. Right. And he thought that like inner healing was reserved for the non-functioning members of our right. of our society. Like, well, I could see why those people would need some special care, but I'm good. And I think there's a danger that we think we're we're just good. Like, I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. good. 
And usually when we're like that, there's been a deadening of pain in our hearts because all of us, because we live in a fallen world, we've all been disappointed. We've all been hurt. We've probably experienced rejection. We've probably heard lies. We've, you know, we've not been able to escape being hurt or wounded emotionally, disappointed, let down, frustrated, envious, you know, all the things that Jesus came to heal. Mm -hmm. And if we're not careful, if we don't acknowledge that our heart has been hurt by those things, we we deaden our heart so that the pain no longer hurts. And Mm -hmm. I lived like that for a long time thinking, no, I'm fine. It's just everybody else is over emotional. Right. Right. Like you, you're the right amount of fine. I'm the right (laughs) amount of fine. I mean, Right. You know, look at all these flaky people crying at movies or look at all these people who are, you know, so over emotional. What's wrong with them? But not realizing, oh, I'm my heart is actually hurt and I've talked myself out of being hurt. Right. Right. And we so we develop really sophisticated skills for dealing with hurt. Yeah. Give me some give me some skills that we typically employ to make things no longer hurt. You mean if we don't want to use inner healing yeah, if, or we don't want to if we don't allow if alcohol, we don't want to, eating disorders, watching lots of Netflix, whatever it is, it's escapism. Right, but what about some more acceptable forms? Uh hyper religious activity. <laughs> I'll just start with that one. <laughs> you know, just performance, performance, avoidance, yeah. withdrawal. Yeah. And all of those things are us in our own efforts building strong towers of defense to keep pain out. Yes. And sometimes I think as Christians, we feel like, well, I was bought with a price. And I've heard people say things like this. I was bought with a price. And so I no longer have a right to feel how I feel. But the thing is, you do feel how you feel. And if you don't acknowledge it and give it to God, then you can't get healed of it. But you're just, we're spending all day long trying to shove it down and pretend it isn't there. Well, we're talking ourselves out of it. Right. And your head will lie to you, but your body will not. So eventually what happens is your body collapses under the pressure of it. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what I've learned is that the walls that we build to protect our hearts from pain we might not even acknowledge is there is very effective at keeping people in pain out. Mm. But the downside to that, it's also very effective at keeping the love of God out. Mm -hmm. Now, we struggle with that because we know the verses that says what shall separate us from, you know, the love of God. Well, and it goes on and lists, you know, principalities and powers and and etc. But if we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to woo our heart, well, there's actually a deadening of our heart where we can't feel his affection. It's not that he's withheld his affection. He's absolutely wanting to love us with an everlasting love and does. It's just that we're not very good recipients of that. and, Mm -hmm. And we don't know how to, we don't know how to feel his heart. I was going to say, hey, do you remember that one time you got divorced? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember that one time. (laughs) Thanks for bringing it up. No, just kidding. (laughs) No, but I remember you, because I've heard you teach on this a lot, and you use this great example that when your first husband left you, Carol was just like, hey, you know, how how are you doing? (laughs) And what was your response? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm good. You know, I've totally forgiven him. And, you know, I'm really good. And it was like three days after he left. Now, obviously we can chortle at that now. But when that happened in those three days, were you you honestly believing in your head? I'm totally fine. I'm totally good. I totally was. I actually think now looking back, I was numb. I was in trauma and I was numb. And so I believed I was okay 
because I wasn't bawling my eyes out, but I probably wasn't bawling my ass out because I was numb. Because you just shut down your heart to feeling pain. Yeah. I was like, okay, I know how to survive agony. I've done this before. And so this is what I do. And how long did it take before the Holy Spirit was like, hey, honey, you're doing a great job at surviving, but I never called you to live a life of survival. Well, before he started saying that or before I started listening and taking him up on his invitation, because probably those are two different time periods. Right. But how long did you survive in survival mode and, and what caused you to get out of that? Um, I probably on some level stayed in that for about three years. Wow. So convincing yourself, I'm totally good. What's your problem? Well, you know, I was having a series of dreams thinking I was totally fine and totally good. And then the Lord showed me my heart. And that was about three, three and a half years uh, after. Do you want left. to talk about that? or? Um, yeah, it's fine. Uh, I just, I wasn't sure if I told this story or not on, on the podcast, but um, I had a series of dreams uh, after he left and there was 16 of them that all of them within two to three days, I would hear that exactly what I had dreamt had happened and I would either hear that from friends that were still my friends and his friends, or sometimes he would phone uh, either uh, in the beginning, that was mostly because of like finances or stuff like that. And I was kind of foolish enough to go, I know you're at such and such a place with a girl named whatever. And he would be like, were you having me followed? You're having me followed. And I just knew all this information from dreams. And then the Lord said, that's not why I'm telling you those dreams. So stop doing that. And I was like, okay. Um, so I just was praying, you know, cause I was like, I guess you're showing me what he's doing uh, so that I could pray. And so I prayed for you know, three and a half years for it to be restored, for our relationship to be restored. Um, but I didn't really realize I wasn't dealing with the stuff in my heart. Like I was turning it into an intercession festival, but I wasn't really giving God opportunity to heal and, my heart. And you're thinking, look at what a strong Christian I am. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm brilliant. Totally killing it. Yeah, yeah. I am totally I mean, awesome. I'm I feel so no pain. I'm just praying for him. Yes. Oh Lord. I mean, the poor fellow. But what was going on? I realized at about three and a half years, I had the 17th dream. And after all 16 dreams, literally all 16 of them had been confirmed that those were actual things, events. Um, I started realizing that God might be actually speaking to me about things. And then in the 17th dream, I dreamt that he married her, my friend that he had left me for, and um, that they had a son and then one of them died. And um, I woke up, it was like 3 or 3.30 in the morning. I woke up and sat straight up in bed because I knew that the Lord had shown me my heart. That even though I was saying, Lord, I forgive them, there was part of my heart that was saying, well, I forgive them, but I know that justice is yours and you're going to get them for everything they're doing to me. Like there's part of my heart that was still looking for um, payback. And so uh, that was probably the first morning that I just fully released them. And I remember the Lord saying to me, what if they never apologize? What if they never come back and say they were sorry? You still forgive them? And I was like, yeah, I do. But I mean, it was three and a half years of hiding from my heart and kind of hiding from the Holy Spirit. And I just didn't realize I was doing it. I thought I was doing really well. And so once you realized, oh, 
you know, once you realized that, were you then in touch with the pain of your heart? I think that, well, it's hard to, it's hard to know whether it was because of that prayer or, um, I remember the following morning waking up and the Lord said to me, I want you to stop praying for this now. Like stop praying that I'm going to restore the marriage. And he said, I'm going to restore your story another way. What was that other way? Oh, it was a handsome Scotsman. Yeah, it was right now. Um, But the amazing thing about that was like an hour, an hour and a half later, he phoned and I hadn't heard from him in like a year and a half. And he phoned and he said, I've asked her to marry me. She said, yes, whatever. And, and I was able to just stay calm uh, because the Lord had totally prepped my heart for everything, you know? So I was like, all right. So I, I remember crying, you know, after I got off the phone um, so it's hard to say, I think it all sort of happened at once, you know, just sort of going, okay, God, I'm going to have to really, 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 really give this to you now. Right. As opposed to part of it being mine to fix through intense intercession. Right. You know, but or whatever. The, the net effect of what God's done in your heart, and we're using a really big example here yeah. of, of the healing life's hearts yeah. of, of the pain of divorce. Yeah. So, you know, no doubt that's a really, really big example. But my point in asking you about that is several times come away from a conference or an event and I'm like, hey, you know, how was that? And you're like, man, it was really rough. I was just, you know, at the end of this conference, I was praying for a lady and she just came up for prayer and, and my heart really went out to her because she just found out that her, her husband has left her and he has somebody else to marry her. And man, I can't even imagine what that would feel like. Mm. And you're being totally sincere. You're yeah. not, but you're not being flippant. And I'm like, uh, babe, babe, that happened to you. And you're like, oh Yeah. Oh yeah, it totally did. And the Lord has done such a work in healing your heart that that no longer has any residue left in your heart. Yeah, there's no pain. There's no power behind any of those memories. I mean, it's, I, on a regular basis, forget that I ever went through that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But it is the nature of God to, he wasn't joking when it says he carried your sicknesses and your infirmities upon him. Right. And that, you know, he carried your sorrows. Mm-hmm. He, he's really serious. But the the difficulty is, I think, because we've not been taught well, we think that our sorrow are ours. To, we confuse the cross that we're supposed to carry with our the very things that Jesus has paid for. Mm-hmm. I think it makes me sad, too, because there's so many Christians that are living in pain and they're sort of so defined by their testimonies and by the things that they've been through. And they basically feel like, well, this is what life looks like until I die. Like I carry this level of pain or residue or um, being attached to all the things that I've been through. And that's, that's not life abundant. That's not what Jesus died for us to live in. Right. You can be totally free of it. So, but it's not free of it by name it and claim it or, or, or shout scripture verses at it. It's by actually, <laughs> lying down and let God do heart surgery and let him, you know, work on the stuff that we're hiding from. To be fair, there is a place where you are using scripture to combat what you're feeling. Sure, sure. Life can't be about denying what you're feeling while declaring truths that aren't real to you. Yeah. Like that that's that's certainly the pathway to, to getting breakthrough. Sure. Well, I mean it's like when somebody suffers a loss and you know, people don't know what to say. And so you, you just throw scripture verses at it. And it's like, actually, it's okay for that person to to mourn and to grieve. And God made us to do it that right. way, you know? 
And you don't have to short circuit that by throwing scripture at it. At some point, that's going to be really helpful. It's just not at this moment right now. Mm-hmm. I think you we're know? out of touch with our our hearts. Somehow we've thought that feelings are our enemy. Yeah. I remember, and I've told this story so many times, so forgive me if you've heard it before. But I remember, I've talked about my breakdown when I was 21, but this happened a couple of years later that I was no longer afflicted with the the horrible, horrible feelings of depression and despair. But I, I would say that I was, quote unquote, in my right mind, but I was suffering terribly from panic attacks and anxiety mm. attacks. And I remember my solution was to write down verses that dealt with fear and I put them in a jar and I called that jar the anti-fear pills. And when I'd wake up in the middle of the night, just racked with sweat and, and full on panic, I'd grab one of these verses and read it out loud. And I would, I would find peace in that. But I remember one time that was happening, I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, I refuse to believe that this was the quality of life you had in mind when you hung on a cross for me. Right. Because in John 10, 10, it says you came to give life and life abundantly. I'm barely living life. Mm. I'm, I don't even know what abundant life would look like. And I think I was doing the best I could with the revelation I had. And it's true of all of us. We walk in the light of the revelation we've received. Sure. And so why I so love the message of the healing of our hearts is this promise that Jesus came to heal the broken heart. He came to bind up those who are crushed in spirit. And he really does mean that. He really does mean that he has a solution to the 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 brokenness in our hearts that we're trying to manage um, in our own best efforts. I love that verse in Isaiah that says that a bruised reed he would not break and a smoldering wick he would not snuff out. Mm. And I remember feeling like that. I remember just feeling so broken and so worthless and so useless that, you know, I even questioned the point of living, the point of my life. And I just love that the Lord is in the business of finding broken people mm-hmm. and loving them back to life. Yeah, And it saddens me that there's portions of the church that try to convince us that we don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the verses I was brought up to believe, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, for example, <laughs> I made it sound like I no longer believe it. <laughs> I was duped by this verse in the Bible. Mm-hmm. No, I, I still believe it, but my my belief in it is is slightly different from what I was raised in. So 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's the verse that people would use, or one of them at least, to say, hey, you know, you don't need to deal with the past, you don't need to deal with any of this, hey, you're all good and you're all great. And that verse is absolutely true in Scripture. We absolutely are new creations, and it's amazing. But we have old habit structures that would lie to us that we're like what we weren't. And we still are affected, it would seem in my own life and the lives of many other people were affected by the residues of old ways of thinking. Mm. And so we need the Holy Spirit to just come and unhook us from bad ways of thinking and heal our hearts from any residue that the hurts have left, the things we haven't given to him, for example. Yeah, for sure. Have you ever wondered what causes well-meaning Christians to completely derail their lives? You know, you've seen it time and time again, a a mega Christian, unfortunately in the public eye, an expose comes out that they've been doing drugs or that they're cheating on their wife or, you know, whatever. Has that ever, uh, have you ever stopped to think about why that is? How does that happen? Because no Christian wakes up in the morning and is like, you know what, 
today would be a great day to derail my life. No, of course not. But I also think, uh, I wonder if a lot of people, particularly that that are in full-time ministry, um, tend to think that they're not allowed to have things that they need inner healing for. They're not allowed to have things that they're struggling with. And so if you're not allowed to have those things, then you're not allowed to deal with them either. You're not allowed to ask for help. Right. Um, I remember uh, talking to a group of friends of mine a number of years ago who had uh, all been told in Bible college, make sure, you know, like they were all going to be pastors and stuff. And they're like, make sure you always appear to be perfect. You always appear to have everything together. Never let anybody from your congregation know if you have any problems or struggles. Everything was shame and hiddenness. And that's what they were trained to do at Bible college. That's a recipe for fruitfulness. And you're just like, dude, they, they trained you to fail because you can't be perfect. And you do need help. And part of being part of a family is that we all help each other and we walk through things together. Um, so I, I often wonder, I think people who uh, at whatever point in their road end up sabotaging their walk, probably at some point they started believing lies about either God not being able to heal them or, you know. Or ignoring the need for healing. Right. There's a great verse in Song of Solomon 2.15. It says, catch for us the foxes the little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. Mm. There's a danger when our vineyards of life that are in bloom, when everything's going well, it seems ridiculous to stop and catch one little fox. Like, what does it matter? Like the whole vineyard there, sure, go have some grapes. Right. And I think that verse is talking about the little things that the Holy Spirit puts our, his finger on. Yeah. Like, hey, you're being a little bit negative or that judgment doesn't suit you well. Or, hey, bitterness is not the look you're going for. Or, hey, that thought, you're letting that thought run around your head way too long. Mm-hmm. Why don't you take it captive to Christ? Mm-hmm. See what happens. Yeah. And I think that when we leave those little foxes unchecked, they will ruin the vineyard. Yeah. And I, I think that's the outworking that we've seen. So I love that we have a church culture that not just endorses, but encourages and is active in the pursuit of the healing of not just the members, but the leaders. Mm-hmm. I love that Jeff and Becky, that are elders that are bored. I love that our staff go after stuff. I love that the vast majority of our staff and our leaders at Grayson have, have gone on healing weeks. I love that it is not weird to say, oh, I'm going to be out this day. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go get some ministry. Like it is not shocking to our staff that I've just booked three ministry appointments in the, in the coming weeks. Right. Everybody, everybody loves it. There's no sense of like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong? Right. They're, they're probably relieved They're I just love the pursuit of the application of what Christ has done for us. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. think it's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, the freedom in that is that you don't have to stay stuck and you don't have to live in shame. You can actually say, Hey, you know what? I need help. Yeah, and, and when something is too big for you, it's okay that it's too big for you. You don't have to have all the answers. Inner healing has made me a better father, mm. a better husband, mm-hmm. a better pastor. It's pretty much made me a better person. Yeah. I, I love it. And in any areas where I'm not as good as I want to be, I, I'm committed to allowing the Holy Spirit to put his finger on my heart and and deal with anything that he would like rather than run away from it and do sin management or, or hide in shame. It's, I've tried that. It's just a miserable way of life. Right. What, I mean, here we are talking about this. What do you, 
encourage our listeners who are not part of a culture like this? How do you, you know, they're listening going, oh, well, I would like some inner healing. What, what would you suggest to them? Well, there's a number of, um, uh, I guess they're called para-ministries uh, that you could go to that are not necessarily associated with a specific church uh, that you could get some inner healing from. So we've gone to Restoring the Foundations, yep. um, which is uh, started by Betsy and Chester Kilstra. Well, they're all over the world. They're all over the world, literally. There's teams all over the world. And uh, I think the website for that is, uh, is it restoringyourlife.com? Or? I don't know. If you check the show notes, yeah. I'll put a link to Restoring Foundations website. There's another ministry called HeartSync, which I think is also, uh, they're raising up teams all over the place. I'm not sure if they're uh, quite all over the world yet, but HeartSync is an amazing uh, tool, amazing type of ministry. Um, and they're also great. We've, we've done that for ourselves. Um, but babe, I'm trying to think about what could we offer or what could we talk about for people that can't access either one of those things? Well, I think back to that. My first encounter with inner healing was Jesus himself. Okay. I, I remember Jesus coming to me one day into my bedroom and, and just dialoguing with me. And, and basically the Lord just had me go through a list of sins that I was trying to ignore or forget. Mm. But the Lord was like, no, I'd like you to write them out on a piece of paper. And I'd like you to just pray through them with me right now. And as I did that in a vision, I saw the Lord come and kiss me on the forehead. Every, every sin that I confessed and I've never struggled with the memory of those sins since. Yeah. Like he just came and settled it. It wasn't that my sins weren't forgiven before then. Mm -hmm. It was that my heart hadn't received the forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so just him showing up. So the Holy Spirit is the great healer. He is so good. And there are times where you would be astonished at what the Holy Spirit will do if you just give him half an hour to just lie down the floor and soak Mm -hmm. and allow him to bring up whatever he wants to bring. I mean, one of the prayers I love to pray all the time is Psalm 139, which says, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If you pray that with an expectant heart and you will allow the Holy Spirit to take you where you need to go, the Holy Spirit is so good at coming to your heart and saying, hey, I'd love this back. Mm. Hey, I'd love to take this anxiety. Mm -hmm. Hey, no, this doesn't belong to you. I actually paid for on the cross 2000 years ago. Hey, let me take this anxiety. Let me take this heavy load off you. If we would spend more time yielding to the Holy Spirit and less time defending that we don't need him, you know, certainly in my life, I would have been way better off. Sure. So here's the thing. We, what I'm so encouraged about is we never need to dig in the gardens of our soul. Mm-hmm. It's not us that dig stuff up. God no. is so good at coming alongside saying, hey, can I help you with that? Hey, could I help you with this? I, I just love that. Do you want to pray for our listeners right now? Just if anybody's feeling unsettled. Let's just pray peace over them. Yeah, Father, I thank you that you are a healer of people, that you, your heart towards us is that we would have lives that are full, that uh, not only represent you well, but that we are kids who know that we're loved. Lord, I ask that you would give us courage um, to deal with anything we're running away from, Lord, anything that we've shoved down for years, Lord, w- would you in your faithfulness bring up each thing in the right timing and uh, help us as we endeavor to walk through things that may have felt overwhelming or 
uh, scary. And Lord, would you place people around uh, every single one of us, every single person listening that are safe and lovely? And would you um, place people around them that have tools to help them walk through this stuff that is bogging down their lives? Lord, I know that your heart is that we would live free, that we would have lives that are thriving, that are full of you, that are abundant. And Lord, I ask that you would do in us whatever needs to be done in order to get us there. Yeah, Lord, we we just forgive any person uh, that taught us to shove things down or to just survive. Lord, I ask that you would make this journey into your fullness so wonderful for every single person listening, God. I thank you that you're amazing. And we just say thank you in advance for what you're going to do in each life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening this week. If you could do us a huge favor, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It really makes a big difference to us. Thank you for everybody who's already left a review. We hope you have an incredible week and we will be with you next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God The things we deal with every day From Franklin, Tennessee They are just like you and me Alan and AJ Keeping up with the Joneses Keeping up with the Joneses Sharing their life experiences Keeping up with the Joneses Talk about faith in God And everything under the sun If you are a human being There's something here for everyone 